0: How's everybody doing this afternoon? Man, we have a ton of people here tonight for just a chapter full of names. (laughs) Y'all came because y'all were like, let's see if he can read through these things. (laughs) I can tell you that even after all the years of study that I've put in this book, uh, it is not enough not to just absolutely mangle some of these names. So uh, y'all forgive me for that. Y'all are doing all right this afternoon, I imagine. Y'all look happy. Y'all look just ready to dig into God's Word. Um, What? (laughs) It's because I'm finished. (laughs) I didn't hear an amen. (laughs) Y'all are holding back, I know. Y'all can amen that. We're going to be done tonight. Like, seriously. Like, y'all don't even understand the kind of work that's gone into this. I mean, some of y'all, I'm sure, have forgot the early parts of this book, right? <laughs> um, so, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. No, we're going to be in the book of Romans this afternoon. Uh, we're going to be finishing up the book of Romans in chapter 16. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 16, verse 1. We're going to work ourselves all the way to the end of the book. And then we're going to talk about three big ideas. I want to open us up in prayer over the scripture tonight. I ask that y'all would be praying for me as I preach this, um, and just continue in prayer for me throughout this throughout this uh, uh, this sermon. It's uh, uh, maybe bittersweet might be a, a good word. Um, bitter because it's like, man, we're done with this book. Um, sweet because at the same time, we made it through. Like. How many, how many have been here for what, what I would consider the majority? Like, if you miss one, that's so okay. But the majority of this, that's so awesome. I'm so glad that y'all made it and stuck through to this far. I pray that God's Holy Spirit has blessed you in, uh, in this study throughout the teaching, uh, of this book. And, uh, I pray n- no less than that for tonight as we, as we dig through the, the final chapters. Paul kind of gives his, uh, farewell greetings, his, Uh, one last appeal to the brothers, and then uh, give some praise to God before he closes this letter out. So let's open up in prayer, and then we will get this thing started. Lord, I thank you uh, again for this day, your many wonderful blessings. Lord, you have poured them out on us. And I just want to say a special thanks uh, for uh, you blessing me, giving me the opportunity to preach this book to your people, I pray uh, that I have been faithful in the study, faithful in the preparation, faithful in the presentation of the truths of this book. And, and, and I know, Lord, that even where I fail, even where I fall short... Uh, that your Holy Spirit is sanctifying the work that, that, that I'm doing here. That we as preachers, as we stand and preach your word, that, that if we rest in the Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit is faithful to move. Even though that oftentimes we find ourselves inadequate to present the truths that you, uh, have in your word, I thank you that you would, that you would nonetheless choose to work through us, that you would choose to work through me and such away is this um lord i thank you for that for the for the fruit uh, that's come forth from your church from this to you be all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for that for the continued growth for the continued uh blessings that that come upon our church stemming from this and whatever those may be to you be the glory and praise and honor for those things you are so worthy and um as I, as I stand, even, even now, I, I, I find myself thinking how unworthy am I that I would be so honored to get to present Your Word to Your people. Oh, what a great, great, heavy blessing and burden that is. That Your Holy Spirit would move among us tonight is what I ask, Lord, that You would continue moving in our hearts and lives. That Your Word would take root in a way in our lives, that we would live differently, Lord, that we would go out tonight living differently, that as we live our lives throughout this week, we would look at them differently because Your Word has transformed, continues transforming the way that we think and the way that we act, the way that we live in all things, Lord. To You be the glory forever and ever through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we dig into this last chapter of Romans tonight, I want to start by saying thank you again to all of you. Uh, I want to say thank you to you as my church uh, for the prayers that you've been praying for me along the way through this study, for your faithfulness uh, as I, as a young preacher... Uh, kind of figure this whole preaching thing out, and and by and large, y'all get to play the part of guinea pigs in a lot of that. And I, I want to thank you for your patience in that along the way. I pray that it has been a, a, as much a blessing to you as it has been to me to get to present God's word to you. Um, and, and to 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 that extent, one of the the things that we're going to see tonight is that the gospel is personal. Right, the gospel is very, very personal. It plays out in very personal ways in our lives. Um, number two, doctrine matters. Right, what we believe about God, what we believe about Christ matters. This affects the way that we live our lives. That's going to be the second thing that we draw out from the Scripture tonight. The third and final thing that we're going to draw out from the Scripture tonight is that God is worthy of all glory and honor from all people. And we should not rest until that truth is completed or we lay with our brothers in the grave awaiting such a great resurrection day. All right. So those are the three truths we're going to look at tonight. One, the gospel is personal. Two, doctrine matters. Three, God deserves the glory of all nations. Let us dig into this final chapter of the book of Romans. We're going to read verse 1 through the end, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, we're not going to necessarily go verse by verse, word by word, uh throughout this whole chapter, but there's gonna be uh a couple of ways that we're gonna kinda just go back and and take some peeks to get bigger ideas of what some of these uh some of these truths that come out in this. So uh chapter sixteen, verse one. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the Church of Sincrae Uh, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa, this is Priscilla from uh, Acts. We're going to go back and look at that in a bit. And Achilla, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Ep- Epinetus, Epinetus, who was the first to convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who was who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus uh, and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow pr- uh, fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampli. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Lord, that none of, none of y'all have names like these. <laughs> my beloved in the Lord. Verse 9. Greet uh, Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved uh, Stockies. Uh, greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Traphonia and Trypho- Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Pierces, who is who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncretus, uh Ph- Phalasian, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, uh, Nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with the holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord And Jason and Sosipater, I'm sorry about murdering these names, Lord, forgive me. Uh, my kinsmen, uh, I to, to Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you and the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother, Quartus greets you now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of his mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to share with y'all, we're going to be talking now, kind of in big terms, kind of in general, about verses 1 through 16 of chapter 16 of Romans. And I want to share something with y'all that that I myself have found um, uh, something in this that has really changed the way that I myself look at this book Overall, I've been studying this book and I told you all this for probably probably more than 10 years now. This has been if I had to if I had to estimate my time in God's word and the percentage of time devoted to this one book, probably over the last 10 or more years, probably 80 percent or more of my time has been in this book. And it was only probably in the last maybe three maybe four years, that this last chapter, I figured out what it was all about. or I I I felt like I I got a grasp on why God would leave this in there. So for a good many years, I would study this book, and I would find myself, and I imagine that I'm probably not the only one like this, I would find myself studying chapters 1 through 15, and then I would get to 16, and I will be like, okay, that's the name stuff. Like, I don't do well with that. Even, y'all see me trying to read those names to you, right? It, it, It doesn't go any better when I just do it in my head, right? When I'm trying to, I'm like, my brain's like, you know whenever I'm trying to read these things, right? So it's it's this is one of those chapters, how many, When if we're honest about it, when we get to these chapters in the Bible, and there's numerous in the New Testament where you'll get to these kind of, these name drop chapters, right? These, these call out, shout out kind of chapters. How many of us, when we get there, are like, okay, I'm done with the book now? Right? Right? Why do we do that? Right? Why do we get there and then we just kind of say, okay, I'm done with the book, right? Here's the truth for a good number of years. I struggled with that. I would read through chapter 15 and I would get to the end of 15 and I'd be like, okay, 16's here and then... For the sake of getting it done, so that I could say I've been through it like 500,000 times, right? And, and I didn't want to like be like, well, I've almost been through it that many times. I would read chapter 16 just to get it done, right? I knew it was names. I didn't find any value in the names. So I would just run right through it. I just burn through it, get it done. Okay. Now that add that to my list of times that I've been through the book. I saw no huge value in especially this section of the text. And I, I found myself. Asking God, Lord, you, nothing that you've put in this book is for for vanity's sake. Like, nothing that you've written in the pages of your Word is there and empty, is it? Why is it then that when my heart sees these things, it goes, uh-uh. I just as much skip over it or start back at the beginning, right? In my mind, as I was reading through this book, I was looking for meat, right? Right? How often do we find ourselves in that position where I'm looking for me and the names, that's not it. Right? That's not going to feed me. That's not going to keep me just on fire for God, right? How often is, is that the case for us? And, and that's why we get to those things and we're like, okay, those names, Mary, I get Mary in there. That's the one that seems to make sense, right? And the rest of them are like, no. Like, we get there and we see no value in it. How many of us believe that there is one word in God's word that is, has no value? But then, when we get to chapters and sections of the text like this, what are we treated as though? It has no value. So I was praying, Lord, show me where the value is in this book. Show me where the show me where the meat is in this. And and where it really kicked for me, I want to tell you this: where it really really kicked for me is a friend of mine invited my wife and I to go down to Honduras, and we go, and I get down there, and church. I am horrible with names. I'm horrible with names, right? If I meet someone the first time, like, I start off by, I probably won't remember your name. Right? I'm horrible with names. Anybody else horrible with names? Now, I know that there's some people that are not. Like, some people, man, they'll get your name. I, I don't even, I, I get, your face looks familiar. How do you know my name? That's not me, right? I'm not the guy that remembers you five years down the line, right? We get to Honduras. And I'm talking with these kids, and they're, they're asking me what their name is, right? I met them yesterday, I sh- like they think I should remember this. This should be—you should value what my name is. Do you not value what my name is? And here I'm—I'm I'm trying now, Shane. Right? Like, the second day when you've got 50 kids that you drew a blank because you couldn't remember their name, you say, okay, I fall short in this area of my life. Lord, give me some strength in this. Give me some help in this. They want me to value who they are. They want me to care about them as a person. They want their name to matter to me. And I struggle... With remembering their names. When we go back this time, like I'm gonna have to get pictures before I go that I took, and I'm gonna have to review them. Like, what was their name? Do I have that? D- did I write that down? Did I keep it? Let me refresh it because as soon as we see them, do you know what they will say? They will ask what my name, what, what is my name? And it's names like this. Yeah, They can't say Landon there. <laughs> I get called Lando. Lando. Right? Like Landon is... Whole, right? So, it's true. And I'm like, Lord, I see now. I get it now. Names matter because people matter. Do y'all, do y'all know that this is just... This book that we hold in our hands is not just a theology book that you would go and find at a Christian theology store for the sake of learning facts. Do y'all know that? Do y'all know that that this letter to the church at Rome was written to people and not ideas? Right? Do we get that if our theology is not personal at its core, that it is not theology at all. Lord, I'm convicted over this. How many years did I study this book? And names did not matter at all. I found no weight in them. And now as I read through this, I still struggle because it's not always... Easy, but I'm going to read it. Do you know why? This was people like you and me. And the gospel was for people like you and me. And as I read this, like I want to read it in honor of these people. Right. I want to read through this and I want to realize as I'm studying this book that these are the people involved. And God knows them by name. He knows you by name. He knows me by name. Names matter. We need to live our lives that way if we're looking for practical ways that the gospel plays out in our lives, let it be this, that the people in your life tomorrow matter. That they're not means to an end. That when you come in contact with them at work, or whether you're in line with them at the grocery store, that they matter. They have value. They have names. The gospel truth that you hold in your heart is for them as much as it is for you. So as I read this book now, I get it. Names matter. Because people matter. They live lives like we live our lives. These were not superheroes or people with extraordinary gifts. These were normal people called into and called by an extraordinary call. Just as we are called by that same gospel call. And, as I study this and I look at this there 's another personal aspect that i that I get out of this, so oftentimes, as we 're going through this book, how many of I hope that you would be honest with me, okay how many of you whenever we hit these ideas that sound like missionary ideas, these ideas of going and sending do you do you find it hard to figure out where that fits for you? maybe Maybe you, you you don't feel brave enough to raise your hand on that. Maybe you find yourself saying, We need to evangelize the ones across the road first. Right? Because oftentimes when we think about missions, right, when we start talking about missions, we're not thinking about the way that we're living our lives day to day. We're thinking about the trips that we go on. Right? And that's not missions alone. Your life is missions. As a believer, as a citizen of another country, a greater country, as a citizen of heaven, you are now traveling in a country that is not your own. Every day that you live your life, your own mission. So, yes, across the road matters. The people living in your home that are unreached by the gospel matter. Wake up to that. Live your life as though people matter. Right? Because so oftentimes we can get so blinded by everything else in life, and you may not think it the case. Right, We may not think it the case until our kids grow up, and then we listen to what our kids say about us, and Dad, you were never there. You were always doing this or that. Man, I fear. Sometimes, sometimes I fear that I would be so worried about you guys that I would let my kids down. Right? That I would be so focused out there that I would miss it in my home that I would get this balance off somehow. And I say, Lord, help me to balance this calling that You've placed on my life. Because the people in your homes matter. The, when you go to work tomorrow, when you leave out from here tonight, the people you come in contact need the Gospel. And God has placed you in their lives. And I think about myself and, and and I think about how Adrian and I have gotten involved in going to Honduras and 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 I've told you the story enough times that you should be able to tell it back to me. But I think about this and I think about how did it happen? How did it get to that? Did I plan it? Did I think about it? Will you plan it? Like, I don't know if you were to line up missionary after missionary and ask them, were you planning on this? If they would have been like, Yep, from the womb, man, I got out and I was just this is what I was all about, right? Probably most of the time, they were like, I did not see it coming. That's how this was. This is how this was. It happened because I was living the gospel day to day. Lord, I don't know where two years from now, even today, I'm standing here before you, I don't know what two years looks like. Right? Like many of y'all were telling me I would be a preacher before I thought that I was going to be a preacher. Before God ever revealed that to me, right? I don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what's coming or not coming. Live your life today. Today, in this moment, people matter. Look around you. The people to your left, to your right, in front of you, behind you, they matter. Which is why the gospel plays out in the church in a way that we use our gifts for one another. People matter. It's why we go to places we don't speak the language because people matter. It's why when we go to work and we feel like our job is so mundane. Man, I'm just riveting that bolt all day long. I'm just nailing that nail all day long. The people that you work with matter. They need the gospel. And it may be, as it was for me, that one of those that you were witnessing to at work one day invites you along to go somewhere else. Right? We don't, we don't know. We don't know. So today we live our lives. We see the people around us, the people that God has placed us with today, they matter. They need the gospel. Whether they're believers or not, they need the gospel. I, as a preacher, every day need the Gospel. We, as a church, every day need the Gospel. We need Christ sanctifying us, calling us, reawakening us, replanning us in the truth of who He is and what He set us here to do so that when we get up and we go to work, we don't see it as just getting up and going to work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Shane and Dad, both of you, Dustin's dad works with you. When you go to work, do people matter? His dad needs Christ. How many of you, the same is true. Someone's father or mother. Well, it couldn't happen at work, could it? It couldn't happen at work. Let's see how Paul met Priscilla and Aquila. Chapter 18. And we read this at the beginning of the Romans study, um, chapter 18, brothers, I I of Acts. Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Acts chapter 18. Man, y'all were like, I'm, y'all are awake. That's good. Acts chapter 18. Man, it, it's either, it's either Ecclesiastes or it's Romans, yeah, man. You know from. Yes. <laughs> y'all were going to Acts anyways, right? Acts chapter 18, uh, we're gonna start in, in verse 1 there and read, uh, 3 verses. So, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Achilla, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. This is Priscilla. This is, Priscilla's her proper name and Priscilla's kind of her, her nickname or what her friends call her, uh, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So where are they from? Rome, where do you think they end up? They end up in Rome. Back in Rome. I mean, Paul's like, hey, give a shout out too. And this is the end of the book of Romans, right? Okay, So they're sent out from Rome and they meet up in uh the same place, the same town doing the same kind of thing as Paul. Look at the end of this. And he went to see them because he was of the same trade. He stayed with them and worked. For they were tent makers by trade. How does Paul know these people? From work. He worked with them. Right? He shared life with them. How many of us think about our work in that way? How many of you that go to school think of your schools in that way? Please. If the Gospel, if the book of Romans in any way has practically played out in your life, let it be that when you go to work, you're not just doing the mundane. That you see what you are doing is something that is affecting the lives of those around you. And it may not turn into 10 million people converted. One person matters. One name matters. The way that you live your life in front of them, led by the Holy Spirit, matters. Because people matter. They matter. You don't enjoy your job. Let, Let that show you the purpose of why you're there. God makes no mistakes. Your work has purpose and meaning there. No matter what you're doing. No matter if whatever it is is going to make you rich, or whether or not you're doing it and you're struggling to get by. It matters. Everywhere you go, let it be shifted and focused. and Let it be known that when you leave these doors, you are going into the mission field. And I'm not just talking about those who are going off on a mission trip this week. Talking about all of you. When we leave, we are being sent out into the mission field. Let your life, let the way that you think, be guided by that idea. Let your purpose and value be wrapped up in that. I'm telling you, it will change The way that you live your life. When you look at every day in that way. That God is sending you out. He's giving you breath in that day. You are a child of His. You are a believer carrying the hope of the gospel with you. And that counts if you're going to Walmart. That counts if you're going to Winn-Dixie. That counts if you're stopping by the gas station. To fill up your car. In everything. Everything. That you do. You will come in contact with people. They need the gospel. Live like that. Please. Let the gospel pour out through you. In everything that you do. Let it shape the way that you look. At your life and the purpose. Of where God has you in this moment. And if you end up in another country. One day. Because God has led you there. Well awesome. For that too. But I'm going to tell you, no matter where you step, you're going to live life. Whether you speak the same language as them or not. Whether you have to learn their language or not. The people there matter. They matter. So Paul, having met with them, now writes and sends greetings to them. And I want you to know, has Paul ever been to Rome? No. Right? If you read the latter part of Acts, Paul makes it to Rome. And he makes it to Rome in chains. And we talked about this last week. Things don't always go as planned. That wasn't the way that he righted, kind of closing this thing out, hoping that he would get there. But he got there, and he got there in chains. There were brothers and sisters that he knew there before he ever got there. How do you imagine that happened? Living life. Living life. Do you understand do you understand that it could be the person that you witness to in your workplace that becomes the next great evangelist, missionary, preacher, teacher, mom, dad? Do you realize that today, as you live your life, you are living your life in front of people who may go to places that you never step foot? That you may very well, in the way that you live your lives, the way that we as a church live our lives together, may very well live in a way that we live and someone goes to an unreached country from us. Live your life around the people that you live day to day. Because we don't know where they're going how they're going to get there, when they're going to get there. God does. And His placement of you could be to influence those who are going places that you will never go. You could influence preachers, pastors, missionaries. Here, you can do that. Here, you can do that. You can live in that kind of way. And as a church, we've been called to this. This is why, again, and I'm going to harp on it use the gifts that God has given you. Use them. We need you. So now we're going to look in uh, chapter 16, verse 17. The second point of this, doctrine matters. Let's look at this, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, So that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As Paul is closing this letter out, he's writing it to people he he knows and people that they know, right? He's writing to this church he's never been there, but he knows people there. He's giving his greetings to them, and he's written this letter out the gospel throughout the book of Romans, and he's sending it to them. And as he's thinking about what he's concerned, the kind of the last concerns to just let me get this down to right? What is it? What is it? When you go out tomorrow, church, when you go out tomorrow, what is your biggest concern? When you live your life, what is your biggest fear as a believer? Is it the devil? Is it the devil? How often I hear us speak that name, and we almost raise it to a level of devil worship in the way that we attribute to Satan things that should only be attributed to God. You act like your flat tire on the side of the road was the devil's work when you ran over something. The devil is not omnipresent. He is not all-knowing. Note this. Go back through the book of Romans. Go back through and see how many times Paul has mentioned Satan up to this point. How many times has he mentioned him? Somebody throw it out. How many times up to this point has he mentioned Satan? We've been through 60 plus hours of this. How many, what scripture did we read from Romans 1 1 to here where Paul said anything about Satan? Zero. Zero. How many? What is this book about? What is this book concerning? The Gospel. Is it not the most complete of all of the books concerning from beginning to end, from sin to glory? These truths. And Satan gets mentioned as a footnote at the end. Quite literally, a footnote at the end. Right? What is said of Satan? What's God gonna do? What is God going to do? By what means is Satan crushed? Under your feet. Be bold, believers. You have been redeemed. And you are a mighty people. You are free from sin. Free from fear. Free from condemnation. God will soon crush Satan under your feet. It will be by your feet, church. It will be by the feet of His people. That he will crush Satan. And Paul leaves us, the one time that he mentions him, he leaves us with this. And how often do we go around so worried about him? As though he just heard me say that. At best, some spirit's going to have to relay that 50 miles up the chain of command, right? He is going to be crushed by us. And we live in fear of Him. The one whom Scripture says we will look upon Him and be like, Him? Him? This should change. This should change. This gospel, the hope that we have, should change the way that we look. Should change the way that we live. We do not live as a fearful people even though the storms rage around us. Because we know who stands with us. What does He give warning against? What does He give warning against? It's not Satan because Satan's getting crushed, right? Those who cause division concerning what? False doctrine. False doctrine. He's talking about false teachers, false preachers. When he's thinking about this gospel that he's laid out through this, and the hope that he has for the church of Rome, and the thing that's going to keep them standing firm, the thing that's going to keep them standing strong, it's the gospel truth rooted deep in their heart. And what is... If we know the truth of the gospel, what hope does Satan have against us? What can he rob from us? What can he steal from us? What barrier can he put forward in front of us that God has not already knocked down? Paul's concern is with false teaching. Because if a believer believes something falsely about the Gospel, This is when I think about us, when I think about us as a church, and my concern for us as a church, I'm not worried about the devil and what the devil's doing to your cars, or what he's doing to whatever else. What I'm concerned with is what truth are you holding to? In your minds, when we're talking about the minds being renewed, Romans chapter 12, What renewed thoughts are you thinking about what God has done, what He's continuing to do, and why He has you here in the first place? What are we thinking? That matters. That matters. It matters that we think rightly. It matters. Doctrine matters. What we believe matters because it shapes the way that we walk day to day because if you believe... If you believe that all it takes is for Satan to throw something out there and the sovereign God of creation just has to... Oh, well, it's messed it up now. Satan threw a wrench in there. Things aren't going to quite work like I'd hoped they would. What does the cross tell us? What does the cross tell us? What a masterfully wise God did we serve. Satan's not throwing wrenches in the works of his plan. Satan is being crushed at the feet of his people. It matters that you know that. It matters that you believe that, that you hold to that, that when you go out there, that you know the God you serve. It matters. Because that's going to shape the way that you live. If you are thinking about why it is that I've put all the effort into this, study all the years all the time in preparation is because it matters what you believe and it will shape us as a church in the way that we live together if we believe rightly about who God is about what he's done what he's continuing to do and why he has you here that's point number two doctrine matters final point Verse 25, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed throughout the prophetic writings and has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about obedience to faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to start at the end. Because if you were to go back and you were to read verse 25, and then you you find that Paul, oftentimes, when he gets in his moments of praise, that Paul's one of those like a rabbit on a trail, man. He's going like, God's so good, God's so big, God's so great, God's so... And, and then he comes back to the point that he was making. <laughs> right? And that's what's going on here. So in the two verses leading up to the last verse of this chapter, what Paul is telling us is is now... Verse 25, and then jump down. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? But shall we, as we close out this book, maybe run along with Paul to get there? Now, to him. Who's him? Him who is able to strengthen you. Who's able to strengthen you? Who is your strength? God is your strength. Who is able to strengthen you? How is He able to strengthen you? According to what? To my gospel. Whose gospel? Is this Paul's gospel? Alone? Is this just His? Did Paul like put a little trademark at the end of this thing? Like, this is mine. Y'all tell it how you want to tell it, Shane. But this is mine. Right? Whose gospel is this? You can speak of the gospel in the same way that Paul speaks of the gospel. It's my gospel. Believer... You've been redeemed. It is your gospel. This is your gospel to tell. This is your hope to tell to others. This is my gospel. It's not somebody else's and and I get a side note in it. Right? This is my gospel. You can say the same. This is your gospel. What a personal note that he makes to that. According to my gospel. And what is this gospel? And the preaching of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. And he's almost giving a recap of what he's been telling us about where the Jews and the purpose of the Jews and where they fit in and this mystery that they kept and held in the Scriptures that they held and kept and kept for us. Kept for God's people, kept for the church. It was a mystery for a long time. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed. And how has it been disclosed? Right? It was was there all along. Right? That's what Paul has been showing us. As he's preached to us the Gospel, he's used the prophetic writings to preach to us the Gospel. He's used the Old Testament to preach to us the Gospel. This mystery is now revealed. Revealed how? Through the prophetic writings. Has been made known to all nations. Now I want us to spend a second and I want us to think about this. The writings have been made known to who? Is there nations that are unreached? Church. Has this word failed? When Paul was writing this, did he miswrite what he was trying to say here? As though it had already reached all the nations, sit back and just chill now church. Or is what he's trying to tell us, what he's already told us? That this mystery that has now been made known is for and unto the nations. For what purpose? For what purpose? According to the, the command of the eternal God, we go because we have been told to go to bring about obedience of faith. What is that? What is obedience of faith? That is responding to the gospel call. Are you a sinner? If you do not have Christ, yes you are. We've covered that. You are in sin. You are in love with sin. God sent Christ who lived perfectly. Took our place so that we could stand in His. Was raised to life to show us where our hope lies. And if we place our faith in that. We are redeemed. And we are faithful. And obedient. To the call. Do you believe today? I pray that we all do. Continue in belief. Do you not believe today? I pray that the Holy Spirit convinces you. And when he does. He does. Obey. Obey. Repent. Believe. Be baptized. Live your life for Him. For His glory. To the only wise God. How wise He is that He has done this. That He saves men through the foolish preaching of this Word. To the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this great honor to get to stand before your people and preach your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move within us, Lord. I pray that we would live each day of our lives Knowing that they matter, knowing that the things we do are not trivial or mundane, let us find the purpose for life in you. Let us find the purpose for life in Christ. Lord, let us stay, let us stay true to your word. Guard us from false teaching. Guard us from false ideas. Lead us in the truth of your word. Lord, if we can read, let us read. If we cannot, let us learn. What a great gift Your Word is to Your people. That Your Holy Spirit would lead us through it. And that You would be faithful to the truth that You've spoken in it. Lord, as we live, individuals, as a church... As a local church, as a global church, let us live our lives to your glory. Let us lift your name in Cordova, Alabama, in Jasper, in Birmingham, in the state, in the country. Lord, lead us where you would take us, and let us be faithful to the command that You set before us.